0: That's called schwaffling. Not only do adults do it, but kids do it. I want to preach on the subject of humility and hospitality. I love that baptismal song that we just sang. Because baptism just isn't an action that is done to an individual. And then that activity is complete. Baptism is something that we carry on throughout our life. And as is said in the last stanza that we just sang, you take your baptism into your life, you take your baptism into your vocation, and it changes who you are, changes the decisions that you make, changes your very purpose for being on this earth. Luke 14, uh, the Gospel, it is also the sermon text for this weekend. Jesus was invited one day to a dinner party at the home of a prominent Pharisee. Dinner party was around the year 30, 31, 32 AD. And Jesus uh, noticed two things at the dinner party. There is not uh, too much that escaped him. He's always very observant. The disciples not might not have seen the uh, the blind beggar Bartimaeus, but Jesus did before Bartimaeus ever called forth his name. Jesus saw the farmer scattering seed, all of a sudden popped into his head, parable of the sower and the seed, Mark chapter 4. He didn't miss much. And as he is standing at this banquet, watching the activity, he takes a deep breath lets out a sigh, and he says, oh my goodness, What am I seeing here? He noticed uh, one thing about the behavior of the guests. And then after he had noticed their behavior and commented on it, he looked at the host. And when he looked at the host, he just kind of shuddered. Because what he saw on the host's face, there was no joy whatsoever. There was just a great deal of stress and tension party was a large gathering of people, not a small intimate dinner party, but a large gathering. And when the doors are open to this man's mansion, there is a stampede, they rush for the best seats, front row seats. Had they been Lutheran, that have been no problem. Lutherans usually like to sit in the back, but they weren't Lutheran, so there's this mad rush to the front seat. They're knocking over chairs. They're pushing people aside. One uh, hopes that no one gets trampled. They're behaving like the running of the bulls in Pamplona, Spain. They're not discreet whatsoever. You know, sometimes people looking at a place where they want to sit and they're very discreet. You know, they sit and talk with and they edge over. There's nothing discreet about these people. They are rushing for the best seat. Is the behavior uncommon? Uh, No. If it was uncommon behavior, if it was just a fluke thing, Jesus wouldn't have commented on it. Not a big deal. Having a bad day. Something's in the air. I'm just going to leave this alone. He's the first one to say, Sermon on the Mount, don't be critical of other people. Don't be judgmental of other people. Had this been a rare occurrence He had left it alone, but it wasn't a rare occurrence. He saw it far too often. In fact, he had just seen it in the life of his disciples. Matthew 20, verse 20. Here comes Salome, the mother of James and John. Who two boys are with her? Talk about a helicopter parent. She got 30-year-old boys and she's saying to them, come with me and go and talk to Jesus. And if you look at Matthew 20, it says she kneels down in front of Jesus. Kneels down, action of humility. But what comes out of her mouth has nothing to do with humility. She says to Jesus, when Jesus says, hey, what can I do for you? She says, my two boys, James and John, sons of thunder, my two boys. I want one of them on the right hand side. One one of them on the left-hand side in your kingdom doesn't matter to me which side they're on just matters that they're on your right and left-hand side. I want the best seats in your kingdom for my boys. And you know at least two other occasions the disciples are arguing and fighting over who's going to have the best seats at the banquet. It's not uncommon behavior. And that's why Jesus has to comment on it. It's always been a part of human culture, has it not? Doesn't matter the era, the decade, the century. Doesn't matter the culture. Doesn't matter if it's elementary school or high school. Doesn't matter if it's the office or the neighborhood. Doesn't matter whether it's a church, a school, or a hospital. There is always a pecking order. There's first class, there's second class, there's third class forms of accommodation. And given this structure in society and in the human heart, we're not surprised that there will always be people whose goal on this earth is to get to the best seats, to make their way to the top of the ladder, the top of the class. Jesus is standing in the back of the banquet hall that night. And not only is he looking at the crowd behaving just like his disciples, not only does he see the crowd behaving just like the Jews always behave to the Gentiles, but all of a sudden he's looking at the host. And the expression on the host's face, he is busy, he's gracious to be sure. But written all over his face is not joy. It's not excitement. It's not, glad to see all my friends at this wondrous party. Written all over his face is great stress and anxiety and concern and mammoth amounts of tension. Why? Pastor Schauer and I were blessed yesterday to be at Bob and Linda Brow's 50th wedding anniversary. We did a little ceremony here then went over to the Ashford house. And the the look on Bob and Linda's face the entire time we were there, just huge smiles, just incredible joy coming from them. Some relative coming all the way from Pennsylvania. Just enormous joy, this gathering. There's no rushing for places. There's no tension on their faces. They're just filled with joy. Why is the host of this party so anxious? Why is his brow furrowed? Why are his knees shaken? Why is he so disturbed? Because his guests are playing a game called King of the Mountain. And the host is playing a game. I owe you something and this is my payback. Is it enough? I owe you something. This is my payback. Is it enough? Is the food good enough? Did I put you at the right table? Did I rank you higher than someone else? That's what this poor man is thinking before the banquet ever occurs and once it's going on. People, there's a vast difference between giving a gift or an invitation that is wrapped in beautiful ribbons And giving a gift or an invitation that is covered with things attached. So that vast difference between waking up in the morning with a smile on your face saying, thank you God that I woke up alive today. This is the day that God has made. I will fill my day with joy because he's in it. There's a vast difference between waking up that way in the morning and waking up in the morning with tension all over you. Who do I owe today? Who am I obligated today? What do I have to do today to keep everyone happy? Vast difference. This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you, Jesus, I woke up alive. Or this is a day that God has made. How can I get ahead? How can I make everyone happy? Who do I owe a favor to today? Vast Difference. Friends, everything we do is infused with the basic motivation we have in life. If we're frantic, guess what? If we're frantic by nature, life will be frantic. It just works that way. If we're filled with tension, guess what? We look at life and say, life is always filled with tension. It doesn't have to be. If we're calm and peaceful, then the world just kind of happens to be that way. Why does Jesus preach a Sermon on the Mount? Why does the Bible say the Bible is written? Second Timothy three fifteen. Bible is written for doctrine, yeah, doctrine, teaching. You're saved by grace through faith. But then it says it's written for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why are we told these things by our Heavenly Father? Why are we told these things in the Bible? Because Jesus said in John 10.10, I've come that you might have abundant life. And if you're waking up in the morning, and if you go throughout the day, and you're frantic, and you're filled with tension, and you're critical, and you're judgmental, that's going to be your life. And I want you to have my peace. Vast difference between an invitation that is wrapped with ribbons and an invitation that is filled with obligation and paybacks. Our goal in any situation is to be at peace with God, be at peace with ourselves, be at peace with others had a kidney stone taken out on Wednesday. Yay! Yeah, a few groans, okay? I'm now part of that group. They did the lithotripsy, and when I went to little company in Mary Hospital, I heard nurses saying, this is the busiest day we've had since before COVID. They were calling nurses in from every department to help with all of us folks that needed some little surgeries done. And there was a nurse working on me. Uh, I suppose she was retired. And I suppose they had called her back. She was trying to get that uh, that needle in me. And uh, strike one, and then strike two, and then strike three, and now we're going on strike four. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling like a human pincushion. And all of a sudden I'm looking at her. And she's turning very red, and her skin is blotchy, and she's saying, you know, so sorry I'm putting you through all this pain. I just can't get this vein. And all of a sudden, I started praying for her. I said, Lord, be with her. She, she needs to be successful with this. And all of a sudden, I wasn't thinking I'm a pincushion. All of a sudden, I'm thinking of her just hoping for success for her. And she finally gets that in and she says, glory, hallelujah. (laughs) Ditto, right? Ditto. God wants you to be at peace with him. God wants you to be at peace with yourself. And God wants you to be at peace with others. It's a favorite verse of mine. I share it three or four times a year. Ecclesiastes 5.19, the great Solomon. He says, if God gives any man wealth, what's wealth? Two things. Your faith in your Lord and Savior, that's your greatest wealth. He goes with you everywhere. Your faith in your Lord and Savior, what is your other wealth on this earth? Family and friends. Whether it's weddings or funeral receptions or just everyday life, family and friends. If God gives any man wealth and possession, enables them to accept their circumstance in life. This is a gift from God. They do not dwell too much on days gone by. Their face is not filled with tension. What do I have to do next? Who do I have to please next? How do I get ahead? Ecclesiastes 5.19. I've asked you throughout three decades to put that on your refrigerator. Be content, friends. Be content. One fundamental teaching that Jesus spoke about before this parable and after this parable. These folks at the banquet. And the hosts of that banquet had an excessive concern for themselves. They absolutely falsely believe that the only way to ultimate joy is to zero in on themselves. And that statement is absolutely false. Josh and Rachel, they uh, joined a small group over there at Parkview, wanted to get a taste of it. It's called Rooted. And when they joined that group, there were eight other people in that small group. And they didn't really want to do it. They didn't really want to do it. They got four children. They got stuff coming out their ears. They really didn't want to do it. But Rachel said, Joshua, my dear hubby, we need to slow down a little bit. We need to fill ourselves a little bit. Our bucket's running empty. And Joshua said, yeah, we'll do that. And they joined that small group. And, and that's all they talked about for the next weeks. That's all they talked about. Not uh, the study in particular, but the people that were there in that group, the people that God had brought into that group. And then after that uh, group was done, Candace, the leader of the small groups over there at Parkview, she says to Josh and Rachel, would you host one in your house? They say, we'll host one, but we don't really want it in our house. You know, we got four kids, three dogs. If you want to, if you want us to host one there at Parkview, you find us a room, we'll do it. And that's what they did. And the second time around as leaders, they didn't feel so comfortable until the third week. Until the third week. And in the third week, there was a giant man there. He had been there every day, every week, and he had not opened his mouth one time, a giant man as Josh described him. And when I actually saw him as one of the baseball coaches during this summer, I said, yeah, he's a giant man. Tattoos all over the place. Worked with Secret Service. Couldn't say too much about his job because of what he did. On the third week of that group gathering, he opened up his mouth and it never closed. And it was like a dam breaking open for this dear man. And because of that episode, Josh and this man became very, very close. I thought to myself, if Josh and Rachel had not led that group, this would never have happened. This man was hungry, he was thirsty, he was naked, he was sick, he was in many different prisons. And when God places him in that small group setting... All of a sudden, the hunger and the thirst and the nakedness and the sickness and the in-prison part of his life, it is all taken care of as he lets all of this out. And once he lets all of this out, then you can fill it up. And who do you fill it up with? You fill it up with the promises of our Lord. Small groups are coming out. And it's not so much whether you have time for it. The matter is whose life can you touch by being part of that group? I wasn't thinking of myself after a while, human pincushion. I was thinking of the dear lady who was just sweating and straining over trying to get that needle in. Small groups are coming. The time you have on this earth is not yours, it's God's. I do enough funerals every year to know that. 28-year-old this past week. 95-year-old the week before. Your time on this earth is not yours, it's God's. The talent you have is not yours, it's God's. 24 hours after that surgery, my voice was gone. And I did what you should never do. I googled. (laughs) I googled this matter. And I'm reading all the horror stories. You could lose your voice permanently or it could take six months to come back. And that is not good, okay? And I'm sitting there praying mightily to God. I said, God, you have given me very few talents But by the grace of God, my voice is one of them. Help me to not lose my voice. Your time on this earth, not yours, God's. Your talents on this earth, not yours, God's. Your treasures, the paycheck, not yours, God's. Use 90%, use 95% for you give some back for his ministry. Dr. Alex de Young, Dr. Nick Andriachi, both doctors in Connie's life and mine, they would always take three weeks off during the summer, go over to Africa, and they would work for Doctors Without Borders because their talent was not there, as you see. The Chicago Symphony Orchestra 125 bucks for a ticket. Why do they, during the summer, play at Grant Park? Because their talent is not theirs, and they want to play for people who would never, never, never be able to afford a ticket to listen to them. The nurses who work at the downtown clinics, they don't get paid for it. The baseball coaches, the cheerleading coaches that my grandchildren were involved with this summer, they don't get paid for it. We have a member of our church who worked for many years as a tax preparer. She retired ten years ago. She does taxes for the poor, those who can't afford it. People at the screens people who sing at Reveal, small group leaders. God gives each of them a talent and they realize it's not theirs, it's God's. And they will do what they can as baptized children of God to take that baptism into whatever vocation they have. That's all. That's the end of the sermon. But like the book of Acts, the sermon continues on. With you and I understanding this banquet called life, the time, the talents, the treasures we have, they're God's. And we beg Him for one thing let me use my time, talents, and treasures for you and your kingdom. And then I shall know peace. Because my thoughts are about others, not myself. In our Savior's name, amen. Heavenly Father, bless the preaching of your word. Bless the singing of your promises in the hymns. Bless the scripture readings that you have chosen this day. And bless this holy sacrament of communion for your children. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Different eyes, Lord. That's what we ask. Different eyes. This is a day that God has made. I'll rejoice that the day belongs to him. And I am his child. In our Savior's name. Amen